Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Today we're going to find a couple other things in the Bible from Philippians 4. We're going to wind down our study in Philippians that we've been doing the month of August. And um, as we go the next couple weeks, we're going to have a a special guest returning next Sunday. That'll be... uh, uh, Pastor Sherwood and his family will be back. We're excited that they're going to be done with sabbatical and uh, uh, they are going to be refreshed, I'm sure, and renewed. We're going to give them a week to transition in so you'll all get some social time with them next Sunday. And then after that, there's going to be a, a, a new study that he's going to have for us in the book of Daniel. Okay, so right now he's in the lion's den fighting it out, but he will be ready for us uh, in about uh, two weeks to begin that study, but you'll see them all here next week. So today, if you would pray with me for our study in chapter 4 of Philippians. If you have a Bible, a great place to be this morning. Lord, we want to thank you that you encourage us. You uh, just use others, you use your word, you use prayer and worship in in so many ways to to move us to a greater relationship with you. And Father, today we ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon this place. We would uh, open our hearts and minds to hear what it is you have to say to each of us uniquely. We thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's so life-changing. I pray that we will all just allow it to do its good and healthy work in each of us individually and uh, together as a church body, Lord, that you would bless us here at Quest, and thank you. Thank you from the the children to our seniors ministry and everyone in between. Thank you for the good work you're doing, and may we be a part of what is ahead, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, this, this exhortation, this, this word for strongly encouraging is what Paul is all about in the book of Philippians, and uh, uh, it's an emphatic direction, this, this word exhortation. He's really being clear that he wants to move us uh, to have the right attitudes, the right actions uh, in our faith, and so that comes from just a, a pit stop over here in Ephesians. 411. We've heard this before, but it uses all these great words like equipping and edifying. And he says, uh, and it goes in 411, he says, and he himself, this is God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul was an equipper of the saints, and, and that's us. We're saints. We're believers. We're his, God's disciples. And so all this letter is, is to encourage us, to grow us in our faith, and to grow us upward in faith towards God, but also outward towards our our service and encouragement that we can be to one another, how we can equip and we can help, just like Miss Amanda and and 
Pastor Nick, you know, is equipping uh, future leaders, future uh, believers and, and servants to, to do the work of the ministry. That's what uh, this cycle is all about of church life and our faith, growing upward towards God and growing outward towards service and encouragement to others that we're all a part of, not just uh, Paul and, and apostles and evangelists, but you and I all are a part of this good work, this good work of the ministry. Uh, so uh, the edifying of the body of Christ, it says, part of that is promoting harmony, unity, and peace in the body of Christ. And in the beginning of chapter 4, there's a, there's a situation that required a little bit of that attention. We'll talk about that. But um, just to be clear, what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is all believers, which are also called saints in, in the book of Philippians. It's, uh, we are disciples, so it's, it's the universal church. It's all who have, all who are, really, and all who uh, will be in that body of Christ now and forever. So right now, we have a, a great part of that body of believers here at Quest Church. Those who, who put their faith in Jesus, who are saved by faith in Jesus are part of that body of Christ. And, and that faith is based on truth, essential doctrines about Jesus, who he is, and how he's fully man, fully God, how, how God is, is um, all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing. These essential truths we've talked a little bit about in our summer series. We've looked at the importance of the word and prayer and in uh, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, uh, reaching out, evangelizing together, and also reaching in towards uh, to, to encourage one another. But the body of Christ is, um, we can think of that as, as this church and, and also our, our fellow believers all around the world, the body of Christ. So Paul is, is, is encouraging and building that body up and strengthening it for good works, for the work of the ministry. So in verse 2, it talks about this living in harmony in the Lord is one translation. Another translation is be of the same mind in the Lord uh, or, or also to agree with each other in the Lord. Those are three different uh, translations and it's always nice to have a little comparison, um, good sound uh, versions out there. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but in verse 2 and 3, he talks about what's going on in this church. There's a little uh, speed bump here for them. He says, Paul says to them in this letter, he says, I implore Eudia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul is identifying these, these believers. He doesn't say what the problem is. He doesn't take sides. He's just saying help them. Help them as the body of Christ. Help your brothers and sisters to be united in the Lord, to be harmonious in the Lord, and to encourage one another in the work of the ministry. So he's encouraging them to be reconciled and to, and to restore relationships and to, and to hold on to those bonds and, and, and increase those bonds with one another. And, and just an encouragement to, to coming together and helping one another. That's what gathering together here in churches. That's what that universal body of Christ is with fellow believers in this world. We can encourage one another and strengthen one another. So in Paul's letter to the Galatian church, he also speaks to having an attitude of restoration and humility towards one another. So I'm just going to read this from Galatians chapter 6. It's very similar. But he says, brethren, if a man, if a person is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. 
It means a fellow believer, fellow faith, fellow, um, you know, um, saint as the body of Christ. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So there's a mention of pride and arrogance and self-serving that has no place in the body of Christ. We are to, in humility, look to the needs of others, see them as better than ourselves, encouraging and equipping for the work of the ministry, uh, restoring relationship, building those bonds with one another. Amen? That's the body of Christ. So, maintaining harmony in the Lord, being of the same mind, and humbly seeking restoration, reconciliation, it brings unity, and it brings peace. And this opens the door to wider, opens the door wider to God's blessings as we bear even more fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And this book of Philippians talks a lot about joy. And in verse 4, he says what? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said it again in case you didn't see it. He says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. It's all over this book. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, joy. Joy, rejoice. Not a giddy, frivolous, happy one minute, sad the next moment but a clear and constant joy that's steady through all circumstances. Rejoice, no matter what your circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. Not maybe in those difficult circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. And encourage others to have that same joy. And he says in verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness. There's another fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I should have had the kids do that. We could get stuck on one of those. But those fruits of the Spirit is what Paul is exhorting us to, to grow and have even more of. And so this working towards the bond of unity, helping, encouraging others uh, in relationships, it creates that joy and it shows the gentleness we have. And what a testimony it is to see the body of Christ united in love. What a testimony to the world for uh, somebody who doesn't know the Lord to come in and, and see that and watch it being played out, how, how uh, relationships are worked to be reunited if there's any, if ever any division. And the pride and the arrogance is second place to the humility and the restoration, the goal of, of being a, a family, a body of Christ with many different parts and many different purposes, but one, one God, one Father, and one, um, one eternal plan for us all to be together. So, uh, the lives of the believers, both as a body and as individuals, it's contagious. That joy, that gentleness, that peacefulness, it's not seen in the world too much. And we have a great opportunity to display it, especially when we're tried and tested. So that is a very important message of this passage how we can be different in handling uh, uh, any problem that arises. We do it uh, in the Lord with that love. And, and so let's, let's be that. Let's be that kind of contagious, uh, encouraging, edifying uh, body, part of the body of Christ here. And, you know, he goes on to say in verse 6 and 7 what we, what we should not be, and that is anxious. There's a word that will make you anxious just hearing it anxiety, right? Is there any end to the anxiety in this world? The anxieties inside, and not to mention all the, the worries and problems of this world coming at us from the outside? 
There is so much to be concerned about, so much to get in the way of our faith, so much that we can dwell on and that can hurt us physically, emotionally, and, and especially spiritually. But our cure for that, it starts with our hope and our confidence and our firm foundation in who we are in Christ and what we believe and what we know for sure about our salvation and our future. And so back in verse 3, Paul speaks of the fellow workers he was talking about with these, these two women who they, he wanted to help, and these women were believers also. It says their names are in the book of life. These are, this, is, this is a confidence we have as believers when we confess our faith in Jesus uh, and, and his shed blood to die for our sins in, in, in our place, that we are saved. And there's so many scriptures that support that. But knowing that we are secure, our names are written in the book of life. If we make that confession and we can rest in that. And that can be our foundation to handling the anxieties and the worries and the problems and the stresses of this life. But it starts there with that foundation. Because otherwise it's going to be shaky all the time. And when these stressors come inside and outside, you won't be able to stand firm. But God wants us to stand firm in that knowledge and our position with him. And he says... You know, as far as that goes, as far as our salvation and knowing that we're saved, knowing we're in that book of life, knowing that our confession is true and secure, if we confess our faith in Jesus, knowing who Jesus is, fully God, fully man, sent to die for our sins, having a right understanding of our faith, then he says about that in Romans eight thirty-eight, he says, for I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God as a believer in Christ. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants us to be secure and firmly standing on our faith to weather the problems and anxieties of this world. And there's one other mention in chapter 3 of Philippians. Pastor Nick was here talking on this, but it says uh, in 3.20, it talks about our citizenship is in heaven. It says this is, this is temporary here. We're passing through here. We're sojourners, the Bible says. We're travelers. We're on our way to our destination, which is heaven. That's our citizenship. And the people of Philippi understood that because they were Roman citizens in this settlement in Philippi. But they knew, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. I have certain rights and I have, you know, all these, um, all these things guaranteed to me as a citizen. And so just to affirm that, he said back in, uh, in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, I'm just going to uh, read a couple of verses there. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of our foundation, knowing that he came not to leave us, but to return and to make a place for us. He is coming again, and our citizenship will be forever in heaven, and our name is in the book of life. These are firm foundations for, for the trials of this life. And he says, Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. God is in control. He can subdue all things. And in another version of that, it says, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. One day we will be renewed and we will be with him and obtain our citizenship. 
we will be in heaven. And until then, know that your name is in that book of life. Rest in that confidence. That's our hope. That's what gets us through the anxieties of life, is resting on that. So now I think we're ready to hear this, this scripture about, or these scriptures about anxieties, okay? And if you look at verse uh, 6 in chapter 4, it's a very common, very well-known scripture, but uh, it brings up that word anxious, which is also worries, which is also problems, which is also stress. He says, be anxious for nothing in verse 6. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then what? He says, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the power of prayer in our problems is powerful to reduce that anxiety. may not get it all the way away, you know, I think of pain management. I work in the medical field, and I think, I tell people all the time, we're going to give you a little pain medicine here for the ride to the hospital. It's not going to take it all away, but it's going to make it tolerable, okay? Not taking away every problem from us. Is, that's not God's plan for us. He's, he's walking with us through it all. He is there reminding us, you're my child. You're a citizen of heaven. I have plans for you, the glory ahead of you. But now, just... Trust in me and cast your cares upon me and pray about these anxieties rather than stew upon them and worry about them because that doesn't accomplish anything. And he says, I'll give you peace and I'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, that's a really good model of prayer. We have this prayer model. It's called ACTS. It's, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplications, which is our our request to God, our, our begging, our crying, our pleading to God, our supplications. So when we're anxious, when the internal and external stresses, oh my gosh, there's a presidential election coming up. What do we do? Well, we stress, of course, and we worry, and we look at all the problems and all the concerns, or we can pray. We can pray about that, and that will bring that peace to us, and that will allow the Lord's will to be done, and us to be at peace with his will being done. Uh, of course, his will will be done, but it allows us to just come alongside that and rest in him. So the opposite of anxiety is peace and contentment, and that's what he offers us, more fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, peace, a fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit versus the, the flesh. That's a little bit of what's going on here as he exhorts us in, in this chapter. It's getting us to think about the differences between that uh, I, I have it down here that the fruit of the Spirit is, is, uh, is our, our faith and, and the good works that we can do through that. Fruit of the Spirit. There's, there's of course, the love, joy, peace, patience, and all that. But, but when we talk about walking in the Spirit, it's, it's that faithful, fruitful life. And, but if we're, working, if we're walking in the flesh, if we don't know the Lord, or if we're just forgetting uh, all that he said to us as far as managing all these anxieties, we're going to be frustrated, and we're going to be fearful, and we're going to be fatigued, and we're going to have failure. Those are all the words I could uh, come up with. It Start with F, okay? These are uh, not so good. We're fearful. We're, we're tired. We're fatigued. And we can often fail because we're not walking... Uh, with the Lord. We're not walking in the Spirit. We're, we're walking by uh, our fleshly efforts. So, just a little piece here for you on the next slide here. 
Are you feeling worried yet? Have I stressed you out with all this talk of worry and internal and external and elections and, you know, all the problems that this world has? A lot of serious problems, a lot of things we can be a part of helping to to make uh, this place more tolerable, more better, but we will not be able to take away all this pain and suffering and difficulties in this world, nor does God plan to do that, but he can help us walk through it with prayer and with trust and with our confidence in him. So take a breath, look at this sunset, or is it a sunrise? I know that the sun rises in the um, east and it sets in the west, right? And I know the east is always on my left hand, so this is definitely a sunrise. Does that make any sense? It's one or the other, I know that. <laughs> definitely looking, uh, this is from in the Atlantic, it could be the Pacific, I don't know, it's a sunrise or sunset. It's a very peaceful, encouraging picture of creation and knowing that God's got this. He is making that sun rise and fall every day, and every bit in between, we need to walk with him. So, how does that scripture go again? It says, be anxious about everything, pray about nothing. Right? Did I get it backwards? I got it exactly backwards. How many of us get it backwards every moment of every day? Let's be anxious today. What am I anxious about? Just the very word brings up a list of a dozen things. Be anxious about what? Nothing. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer. Pray for everything. Don't worry about anything. Doesn't mean we're blind, blindly, blissfully going through life. We have things to do, and God gives us wisdom and understanding for this life, but he's making it all um, make sense, and his will be done through our prayers, through that supplication, and be thankful. Being thankful even in the difficulties, right? So let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Memorize that one. There's a lot of great scriptures to memorize in the book of Philippians, and I really encourage you to have some daily devotion time. This is a great book to spend that daily devotion in and to memorize these key scriptures because I guarantee you God will use them in the lives of people around you and in your life to have that, that seed of faith planted ready to, to grow and burst out when, when someone needs it in your life. And we all need that one. So it says he will guard our hearts. So let's be guarded. Let's be protected by him. Let's trust in that guarding. And let's be confident in his promises. And let's trust in his plans. And let's not worry. Okay, here's the sunrise, yeah? This next one. <clears throat> this is definitely the, the west coast where the sun always rises. No, it rises in the east and sets in the west, right? So, depending on what ocean you're in, I don't know, if you're up in the Mediterranean or something, I'd have no idea how this works. But it's fun to think about. God has us from the east to the west in this nation, he rises in the east, sets in the west, and it is a peaceful thought just to rest from our worries and just pray and think about his word. Paul's exhorting us to this. I'm going to share in Matthew 6, 25. If you want to turn there, i got about a few verses to share, but it's on the same subject, and it uses the word worry instead of being anxious for nothing. So Matthew 6, 25, just listen to this for a minute. Lots about worry here. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So it's very simple. It's the essentials of life that he's talking about here, our needs versus maybe our wants. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at this picture of nature here that God creates and the wonders that he creates. And now we can see him at work through nature. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Yes, you're his special creation. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Can't make yourself any taller by worrying. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So this is a faith journey. It's a walking in the Spirit. It's denying the flesh, trusting in God, praying, being thankful, and watching the anxiety turn to peace and contentment. Therefore, do not worry. Oh, he said that twice. Do not worry. Now I'm worried about not worrying. <laughs> do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He's saying, be different. Be different from the world. These are the things of the world. He says, your Father knows what, that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He will take care of all the things we need, maybe even some of the things we want, but we need to not be overly focused on them, and we need to trust that God has got this, and he's got us. So separating our needs from our wants, I would always tell my kids that. Is that a need or a want? Most of it's wants. Let's trust for our needs. Um, so thinking about our attitude, and uh, our actions in this next slide, uh, a fresh perspective is what God is giving us through uh, the book of Philippians here. And um, it's, it's changing our mind. It's changing our mind to think about what he wants us to think about. And in Colossians 3, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on the things of this earth. Set your mind on the spiritual things, not on the physical needs. And God knows that. We can trust him with that. He will provide for us. And he says, set your mind on things above. So in verse 8, back to chapter 4, in verse 8, he gives us some things to, to put our thoughts on and to meditate on, to help us uh, remove those thoughts of anxiety and our problems. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, this is verse 8, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Switch out those thoughts of worry and problems for the thoughts of whatever is pure and true and right and lovely and good, the spiritual things. And there's a song that goes, that, that, that sings about this. It says, Jesus, you're true. Jesus, you're right. Jesus, you're pure. You're lovely. Let us put our thoughts on you. So that's a way. He embodies all these attributes. And we can just put our minds on Christ. We can pray for all those anxieties. And he will 
bring that peace and contentment. And it says that in, in verse 9. He moves on to encouraging our attitudes to be adjusted, the attitude adjustment we all need, to uh, a more of a, an action. But just to pit stop with one last verse, I have 2 Corinthians 10.4. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. This is not a physical battle. This is not a fleshly battle. This is a spiritual battle. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's all the worries and concerns and problems of the world. And here's the key text. He says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when those thoughts come, we thank you, God, for these challenges. And I want you to be with me in it and pray. Pray to our Lord. Surrender all these things to the Lord and the peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and minds. He says that again in verse 9, but he's putting it to action a bit. So in verse 9, he says, the things which you have learned and received. So there's four things. We've learned them, we've received them, we've heard them, and saw in me. So he's taught them, he's exhorted, he's encouraged, and he's lived it out in front of them, writing this from prison. He said, Saul, these things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Do it. Be a doer like Paul. Live this out. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Be in fellowship. Be in service to him. Reach out to others. Have the word ready to share evangelize, and there's one last thing that we're talking about in this chapter as far as uh, those attributes of the Christian in addition to all those things. One of the reasons why Paul wrote this letter was his thankfulness for the Church of Philippi and, and their provision for him and his ministry works. And, and Paul was quite fruitful in his works. He, um, he says in way down in verse 22, this whole next passage which um, we'll probably finish up uh, next week. But uh, if you jump down to verse 22, Paul is writing this from prison. It says there was a guard with him constantly, part of the Praetorian guard, Caesar's guard, was with him constantly. They all knew why he was there. They all were hearing the gospel, basically, that he would relentlessly, I'm sure, share with them uh, the things they, they have seen, the things they have learned, the things they have heard and saw him living out. You know, he says do. And these people accepted that faith and they were doers of the word and because of the hearing of the word. But he says in verse 22, he says, all the saints greet you. As he wraps up the letter, this is the very end of it. He says, all the saints greet you, but especially those of Caesar's household. Caesar's household, he was supposed to appear before Caesar to, to plead his case as far as why they arrested him and all this in the past. So, he is ministered to those around Caesar. His ministry was fruitful. His work was difficult. He was in prison. It looked like, uh, you know, how is anything good going to come out of this? It was suffering. It was persecution. But God brought fruit out of that ministry in an amazing way to, to reach the highest levels of, of, of the Roman um, Empire. So, it was, it was very worthwhile, his, his endeavor. It changed the whole world. And this church is, is pointed out for supporting him in that effort. And so, just briefly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just touch on this. But there's about 10, 
verses here, right in the center of this, that talk about that support that this church uh, gave him in his ministry. And it was in the form of a physical, you know, uh, contributions for his physical needs. But he's turning that into a focus on the spiritual needs. He's actually saying, I'm content. I have what I need. He says, whether I'm abased or I abound, whether I have much or I have little or nothing, he says, I'm content. But he says, I want you to learn the blessing that comes from this giving and the fruit that came from it. So let me just read through this, and then I think we'll wrap up here. But um, I want to read verse 10 going forward. He says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul was content, not because he based his peace on the physical situations or the stress around him, but because of his spiritual position in God and the ministry that he had for him. I know how to be abased and I know how to bound. That means to be uh, without and, and provided for. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is his provision. God is his strength. But he is so thankful for them, for the support, for the fruit it is born, and, and the fruit it will bear in their lives. Um, let me just read on. He says in verse 14, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. This church was unique. They sponsored his mission, uh, missionary journeys uh, that changed the world, that reached the height of the Roman Empire. So here's the key scripture. And if our worship team wants to come on up here, I'll share this as we close. But I love this scripture. <clears throat> Excuse me. It has to do with, with giving, and that's always a, a challenging subject, but it is as fundamental to our Christian walk as reading the word and praying and being in fellowship and, and worshiping and reaching out to others and serving. It is fundamental to be a giver because God is a giver. He gave his only son. He gave us life. He gave us a world that was perfect until we botched it up with our sin and it was cursed with death and sin. Excuse me. Verse 17. This is Paul again. Whether he was in need or not, he had ups and downs throughout his whole time. But he says, I'm not focused on the gift. He says, not that I seek the gift from them. He's thanking them for their giving, for their support but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I seek the fruit that comes from you learning and growing in your faith because that's all he's doing is he's exhorting us and encouraging us and equipping us to do the work of the ministry. And he is so excited <clears throat> that they have learned about the gift of giving, the essential characteristic of a Christian, to be able to give to the work of the ministry. And it's generous and it's sacrificial and we can talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament and tithing and the whole thing. But God wants us to be generous. He wants us to give generously and sacrificially to his work. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, when we talk about this, 
God will convict and correct us when we need guidance. He will give us his wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He will be with us. He'll give us a peace and contentment if we pray through it. It's not something to be anxious about. It's something to integrate into our lives. It's, it's something that Paul says, I, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account by this practice, by this characteristic. But the devil will uh, come in and, and he will bring confusion. He will try to coerce and he will condemn us and make us feel wrong about it. And it's basically operating in the flesh. And, and God talks about begrudgingly, you know. But in that spirit, God wants us to be cheerful, cheerful givers. And that is all to a spiritual end that will help us to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And let's, let's see what he says in the, in the end of this passage. <clears throat> Indeed, in verse 18, I have all and abound. Paul again saying, look, I got everything I need. And he says, whether I'm poor or whether I'm rich, I have everything I need for his faith is in God to do the work through him. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says, I am, <clears throat> I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Epaphroditus got, brought him these gifts. And he says, it was a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. It's to God. It was the people giving to God another part of themselves, just like time in the Word, time in prayer, time in worship. Giving was something ultimately is going to God. And he says, it's an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And may God, and my God, in verse 19, final one, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Supply all your needs, our needs. He cares for us. No matter what, he cares for us. So it's not a prosperity doctrine. Give and you will receive money and health and prosperity. It's nothing to do with what Paul is teaching here. He says this is a spiritual, um, this is a spiritual characteristic that you need to grow in, that we all need to grow in, just like being in the Word, just like worship. And there's lots of scripture on that. But I want you to see Paul's heart here. Not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He's all about these believers and growing them in every way possible. And this is an essential part of our growth. And so um, we will wrap up Philippians next Sunday and uh, review some of that, maybe look at this a little more. Uh, so um, God help us if we talk about giving anymore. The, the place will be empty and people will run for the doors. Because Paul was a greedy little grubber and he was just saying, give me your money, give me your money all the time. And he wasn't fruitful and he just built stuff for himself and, you know, the hypocrisy that has gone on over the years. But we're missing so much if we don't pause at this point and look at this. It's powerful. That scripture is one of the best about giving. Not the gift, but the fruit that abounds to your account through giving. Can we stand? <clears throat> Let me just pray and we'll worship. Final song for us. Lord, I want to thank you for all the gifts you bestow on us. Even the trials, Lord, it says, you said to be thankful in all things. And help us to pray about everything and to be anxious for nothing. Lord, we pray against the enemy, the lies, the deception of this world, the stress that is undue you never wanted us to carry. Let's cast all our cares on you because you care for us. And let us take your yoke upon us for your yoke is easy and your burden is light because 
we know you're doing the work and not us. Let us walk in the Spirit this day and every day forward. Lord, bless us, grow us up, mature us, and help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.